Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer from the Chicago Cubs, and you're listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast featuring everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Manaman. This is the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. I am Coach Manaman. Thank you for listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. For the latest news and notes and baseball content from the tri-state area, find us on social media, Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and at Coach Manaman on Twitter. Welcome back to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. As always, this is everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman, and today we are going to be joined by a new member of the Loris Hall of Fame, and it is Nick Oberding from Dyersville Beckman, and reading his bio and hearing stories from former Perfect Game teammate of mine and best friend of Nick, Jamie Willem. I would like to consider him Dubuque's very own Iron Man. Nick, who gave you the information, the news that you were going to be inducted into the Loris Hall of Fame, and what kind of feelings did you have when you got that news? I can't remember when the email came specifically, but it was from an email from the current athletic director, Denise, and uh, I was at work that afternoon, and it's uh, kind of caught caught by surprise didn't know it was coming um initially just felt very thankful um to to just be even considered for that sort of recognition nick is it possible to grow up in dyersville iowa home of the field of dreams and not fall in love with the game of baseball that's a good question i'm sure it's possible but uh i think it's hard not to the uh the people the community and all the coaches there really care about carrying on the tradition. Um, the uh, movie just adds some additional nostalgia uh, to it as well. When you think about growing up, what would be your first baseball memory? And is that the time you fell in love with the game of baseball? If not, what would that time be when you fell in love with the game? Oh, I would think hitting off a plastic tee with a plastic bat in baseball sometime would probably be my first memory. Or uh, my parents have a walkout basement, so the concrete wall on the backside of our house is exposed. And I remember spending hours playing strikeout as a kid on there with a rubber sponge ball. So that kind of got me going, but uh, really didn't fall in love, I guess, with the game until I uh, started playing catch with dad all the time. My dad always took the time to play catch with me as a as a kid to pitch with pitch to me and also coach me. He uh, he certainly pushed me to do my best and improve every day, and still enjoy playing catch with him yet to this day. It's great he's still around, able to do that. It's it's funny hearing your story about the tee and the oversized bat. We're doing that right now with my two-year-old and my family had the same setup and I, I would practice grounders for hours upon end, throwing it up against that, that brick wall. Now, Dyersville Beckman is known for Hall of Fame legendary coach, Tom Jink Jr. What was it like playing for him? And when you think back to your playing days with him, what life lessons did he give you 
on how to become a better baseball player, but also how to become a better man? Yeah, good question. Um, he, uh, he was a really great coach, and obviously his credentials and, and record demonstrate that. Um, he was a joy to play for. He was really passionate about the game. Um, but I thought there was a couple of things that he did exceptionally well. One was that uh, he made it really fun. And I think that's really important as a high school coach. You, you really want to just get as many kids out as you can, particularly at a smaller school like that. And he did that well. And then the other thing I thought he did really well was he was really good at instilling confidence in you and motivating you to excel. Um, he oftentimes did that through questioning what kind of legacy you wanted to leave on the program, which kind of made you feel like you were a part of something bigger than yourself, like it was on your shoulders to, to carry the torch, which I guess indirectly led to increased confidence that you were a part of this bigger picture. Um, the main thing that comes to mind about life lessons, I guess, would be uh, how to perform in pressure situations. Uh, he was always the one that was putting us up against the toughest competition. Um, you know, West Des Moines Valley, Dowling, Davenport, Assumption, those, we'd play the biggest schools we could play against. And um, if you're afraid to make a mistake in those big games, you're going to be in trouble. Um, and he wanted us to have the confidence in those big games for when we got to the postseason. Um, and then another thing that came, comes to mind in regards to that was that every time we broke huddle with all the infielders going out to the field, we'd always break by saying 21, as in 21 outs in a seven-inning game. And I guess what I eventually took from that was, you know, taking it one out at a time, taking it one play at a time, um, kind of helps focus on helps you focus on the things you can control and takes the magnitude out of some of those big situations. It's great to hear him talking about, you know, legacy and how you're wanting to be remembered. And still to this very day, many years after his passing, there's still memories all around him about him in Dyersville and with the baseball program as well. This is a difficult question for some people to answer. So I hope you don't uh, don't um, be offended by this one. I know people don't like talking about how good they are, how good they used to be back in the day. But when you think about your high school playing career, what individual success did you have at Beckman? Um, it's a good question. I mean, obviously, baseball is a team support, team sport, so individual success doesn't come about with a good team behind you. Um, individual success. Um, you know, I was, I had a good, we had a good team and I think I was first team all state in high school for baseball. That's probably my favorite award, I guess, but you know, that doesn't come about unless you get to the state tournament and do well. If you could pinpoint one of your favorite individual performances, what would it be and why? Uh, I think what rises to the top there would be uh, pitching in the state championship game as a sophomore against number one ranked Carlisle my scene, my sophomore year. Um, that was a big situation for me as a sophomore, you know, trying to uh, to win that final game under the under the lights there. Big situation, trying to uh, do what do well for the community and for the upperclassmen. 
that had worked so hard to get there and uh, felt I stepped up to it well. We ended up getting beat six to two in that game. I think I went uh, six plus innings, gave up four runs, which two of them were long balls from uh, TJ Cataldo, I think good ball player. I think he ended up going to Iowa. Um, and I think I struck out eight over six, six and a half. So threw well, but didn't get the win and felt I uh, rose to the challenge as a sophomore and, and uh, played well. When you were at Beckman, and I, when I started this podcast, I had a daughter who I have 50% of the time, and it was during a pandemic, so I could spend so much time researching. And now, since then, I, I'm back working again uh, in the schools, and I now have two more children. So sometimes <laughs> my research isn't up to par I probably could have figured this out, but when you were at Dyersville Beckman, were you ever part of a state championship team? I know they won quite a few. Yeah, I was not. So I was for, we were fortunate enough to qualify three out of the four years there when I was at Beckman. My freshman year and sophomore year, we were state runner-up, I believe. And then uh, we didn't make it my junior year. But my senior year, we got there, but then lost in the first round. Thinking about the high school teams you played with and all the success your teams played with, what were some of the big team moments? I know you talked about pitching as a sophomore at the state tournament. What were some of the big wins that you recall in high school that if you and your teammate that you guys still talk about today? Yeah, one good one, um, just because of how it ended, was uh, beating Cascade my sophomore year that same year we ended up getting to the finals later on it was the district final and uh i remember the game started off just awful for us uh, uh we started off and the after throwing the first four pitches of the game as the home team we were down four to nothing to start because like a single hit by pitch a home run or doubles just down right away so we had our back up against the wall at home and then fought our way back and uh Nick Trum, I remember I was on second, and uh, there's another guy, Bellingson, I think was on first, and Nick Trum was down one to two, one two count, last inning, two outs, and we were down by one, and he hit a ball out to right field and landed like two inches fair, ricocheted into the corner, and it was a two RBI double to win the game as a walk off, um, which was. Uh, which was exciting just because we had to claw our way back and uh, kept us in it. We ended up doing pretty well after that. And then the other one would probably be senior year, um, the sub-state final as well. Um, you know, your senior year is the big year where you really want to do well. You know, you're an upperclassman and everyone's looking up to you and you want to go out on top. And we played center point Urbana. Uh, for the sub-state final. I remember her warming up for that game and there's a cameraman with a video camera in the corner and thought it was KCRG, KWL or something like that just because, you know, they're used to going to a lot of those big games. And then I remember seeing him turn to the side and seeing the big ESPN label um, stickered on the side of the video camera. We had no idea that they were going to be there, but they were going to be at the Field of Dreams the next day for uh, the 50 states in 50 days. Uh, it was a thing that they were doing a while back. They were doing a broadcast in every state, and they actually came out to our, that game the night before, which was kind of neat. 
Um, but that game came down to the wire as well. Um, you know, bases loaded, last inning, you know, and uh, we ended up getting a ground out um, uh, to win it. You know, I was on the mound. I think I got to save that game because I had thrown the, the game before and just felt uh, a bunch of relief because the year before we bowed out real early. So was looking for redemption that year and got it. Always great to beat Cascade if you're from Beckman and vice versa. <laughs> when I interview the Cascade people, now, I'm curious. I remember that 50 states in 50 days, and, and I remember that broadcast. Did you watch any of that, and did you see any footage in the broadcast from your game or you warming up in the bullpen? Yeah, so it was a brief clip that they did show. It wasn't very long, but they showed uh, us scoring at the plate and basically set on the live broadcast that we were going to state, which was kind of cool. I still have a like a DVD copy of it yet because I had it taped. Um, I did go out to the broadcast um, that day and was just going to watch. And uh, one of my old Little League coaches uh, came over and talked to me. And uh, he was kind of helping with the event and asked me if I wanted to throw on a ghost uniform. I said, sure. And uh, so I threw on a ghost uniform and uh, I was – one of the, I don't know, 10 to 12 of us that walked out of the cornfield and were playing catch in the, the outfield during the broadcast. And then I think they kind of zoomed in on us and John Anderson to close out the show, which uh, was pretty neat being on live television, you know, even if it was just in the background. And I'm sure I looked a little younger than most ghost players as just a sophomore in high school, but I was grateful that, that you let me suit up for that. Great story, and the Ghost Players brought back the shows on Sundays in the summer. Check those out if, if you're listening. Great show to check out. We're going to go on to your next part of your career, which was at Loris College. Nick, just recently, Loris Athletics put him in the Loris Hall of Fame. I'm interviewing him right now. He's wearing a Loris baseball top as we speak. After high school, what brought you to Loris College. What was it about the baseball program that you thought it would be a good fit for you? Yeah, there's lots of factors. Um, you know, the science department was something I was interested in, um, and I wanted it to be a good school. Um, Catholic school helped. Um, proximity to home was nice because I, I wanted my parents to be able to uh, watch my games, you know, and be there to support me and see that. And I was hoping to go to a place that I could uh, contribute right away and come in and help right away instead of having to do my time until I was an upperclassman. But the biggest thing was probably the, uh, the academic reputation. I remember my first year at Loris walking into the science hall with my best friend who was track athlete and football athlete. I remember telling him that I would give up baseball if I felt it was limiting my academic performance and I remember seeing his face in disbelief, um, but uh, it never got in the way. I thought uh, the professors and all the staff, they did a really nice job, and, and coaches as well as, um, you know, being able to do both. One aspect of your career, Nick, that I didn't know about until Jamie Willem slid into my DMs on Instagram and he didn't even know this about you until he heard Carl Tebon's induction speech to you that you started every single game at shortstop and you never missed a single start from your freshman year all the way to your senior year. How's that even possible? 
you never once got into a slump. You never once had a nagging hamstring and you had to take a game off. I know you're huge into academics. You didn't once have to miss a game for a lab. Elaborate a little more on your streak and hence why I called you Loris College's Iron Man before. Yeah, I'm not sure how that all came together. Just looking back at it, uh, I guess the streak was there. I didn't know it was a streak at the time. Um, I guess the first thing that probably most people run into is probably their early years. And uh, as a freshman, getting into all the games, just because a lot of times you're competing with time for upperclassmen. But the main thing there is that I just feel grateful that Coach T-Bond had the confidence in me as a freshman to start me from day one and the belief in me that I could do it. And then uh, once I got established, I, I guess I stayed relatively consistent and uh, fortunately was injury-free. I always prided myself as being one of the best guys in shape and on, on our team, so maybe that added to it, maybe it did not. And then, um, you know, once you get to your upperclassmen years and you've established that you can uh, play well, then I think you get a little more leeway there and you can just keep going. Just going to give you a little bio about Nick here for his time at Loris. He's the program hits leader and top five in many other records. And in 2009, you were named League Player of the Year and also second team All-Rollins and the All-Region team. Talk to me about that 2009 season and what stands out to you most about that season? Yeah, it was a great year for us. Um, we had a, an experienced group of position players back and a fairly young pitching staff that really stepped up that year. Um, you know, I don't think we got really high recognition preseason to really do well, but I feel like we, we really uh, stepped up to the challenge that year. Um, kind of started off okay down in the Florida trip for us, and then we really turned it on once we got into conference and, and played well. And, uh, yeah, one thing that really stands out to me that I was proud of, that I, I, we got better each year I was there. So it was nice that our class just kind of showed improvement every year. We got better and better until it culminated in our 09 season, really performing well. Of all the awards, records, and your accomplishments at Loris, which one are you most proud of and why? Oh, I think it's, it's tough to beat the uh, Loris College Athletics Hall of Fame. Um, I think that probably takes the cake. But um, I guess during my time at Loris um, would probably be uh, my senior year from 08 to 09. I was named the Student Athlete of the Year uh, on campus, which is probably my favorite award because uh, there's a lot of great athletes, a lot of great students that go to Loris. And, uh, and um one of the main reasons I was there was to get a good education as well as to play baseball. And being that I did both well, I was proud of that. I've talked to Coach T-Bon many times, interviewed him many times, and off mic, he has shared this with me, that you are one of the best players to ever put on a Loris baseball uniform. Hearing that from a coach with more than 25 years of experience and very well respected in the area. How does that hit? 
Oh, it's, uh, it's humbling. It makes me feel real grateful. But, uh, yeah, I know for sure there's been some better baseball players over the years and decades before me at Loris. Uh, but uh, just humbling to be considered in that category, I guess. Besides baseball, what else did Coach T-Bond oh, like? That's a good one as well. Um, if you've ever met Coach T-Bond, even if it's just for a little while, it's easy to see that there's no shortage of passion and enthusiasm um, for baseball and for all the other things he enjoys. Um, so I guess it would probably be that demonstration of being all in on your goals and what you're passionate about that stands out to me the most. He, he really cared and, and uh, was really passionate about everything. Last question about college before we dive into the semi-pro realm a little bit. You had a lot of great performances. What would be your favorite individual performance? And then looking at your four years at Loris, what would be your favorite team memory and why would those rank up there? Oh, I think both of them are the same series, actually. Um, our last conference series my senior year was at Cornell. Um, and that's where we clinched the conference title, um, which was the first conference title in baseball uh, at Loris in uh, 50 years, actually. Um, and I was just dialed in that whole weekend. I mean, just looked like a balloon ball coming in all weekend. I think the first game I went five for six with a home run. And then like game two and three, I don't remember how I did, but it was, you know, you know, real solid at the plate. Um, and, uh, and that, uh, yeah, that got us the conference title and it was nice then on a high note and, uh, accomplishing the, you know, getting a conference title for T-Bond who'd been there for so long was, uh, it was nice as well. You were a tough guy to find information on. Normally I just Google search somebody and I get loads and loads of information, <laughs> but you're kind of a mystery. There's not much out there about you. I had to do some digging and I wasn't sure, but you did play semi-pro for the Dyersville Whitehawks. Is that correct? I did, yeah. How many I, years did you play for them and what would be the range of the years, 2000 and what to 2000 and what did you suit up for them? Oh, it would have probably been in the early high school years when I played a few games either before the high school season or after um, so that would have probably been in like 2001 to 2005 in that ballpark. And then uh, while I was at Loris, I played all those summers. So from 2006 to 2009, I would have played full-time those four years. Um, and then the last year I played was that summer of 2009 before I uh, left the state for some additional schooling. Now, does Cole Klosterman current manager of the Dyersville Whitehawks, has he ever reached out to you in 2023 or previous years to ask you to come suit up one more time or for a tournament ever? Uh, I haven't got the call for a long time. Uh, the last time I suited up would have been uh, when I moved back to the area or back to the state in around 2017. I think we played uh, Monticello in just a league game I played in and then played in the Farley tournament, I think, in 2018, one game. Um, but I haven't played any since. You know, I live about half an hour away from Dyersville now, so it's just a little bit logistically tough for me since, uh, you know, my time I get off work is a little bit variable as well, and I got two young daughters. 
I hate to ask this question because I know once I said that I was now umpiring, my phone was blowing off the hook. But if if somebody called, would you suit up or are you just uh, just kind of moved on from baseball and now it's focusing on what your girl's hobbies are and, and focusing on having them pursue greatness and whatever they want to pursue? Yeah, I mean, in an emergency, I'd consider it, you know, just uh, to see what I have sort of thing and uh, just to help out the team. But, you know, I pretty pretty well consider myself retired. I mean, I've got uh, other hobbies I enjoy uh, that compete with it and uh, would, uh, would also wonder uh, how frustrated I would get after not being in the game for so long and wishing I could play at the – at the level that I did in years past. I wonder, you know, how that would go. You, you know, and it's, it's crazy looking at some of the rosters and some of the guys that, that are playing nowadays. I mean, one year we had, it seemed like the Iowa Hawkeyes were playing for, I believe it was Worthington back during that, that COVID year. I'm fairly confident you would do a heck of a lot better than I would be if I, if I suited up. <laughs> Not many people ever had your number, Nick, but when you think about the time that, that you played in your semi-pro years, who were some of the pitchers that, that had your number? Who were some of the pitchers that you really struggled against in the semi-pro circuit? Uh, good question. I'm sure there was plenty out there. Um, I just can't piece together. The one that surfaces to the top for me, though, would be Aaron Soigling. Um, I uh, I played against him Little League uh, a few times, maybe a, a time or two in high school, not much there. But uh, he was at Warburg when I was at uh, Loris, and then also on the semi-pro circuit. And I don't know if it was just his kind of funky delivery or kind of the sidearm angle or his good control. I don't know what it was, but it was always hard to time him up for some reason or square him up. He was one of the more solid pitchers that kept me off balance. What were your favorite elements of playing semi-pro and playing for the Dyersville Whitehawks? Oh, it's kind of nice wearing the, the same town team that you grew up in, I guess. So I had pride in wearing the, the Whitehawks uni because I was from Dyersville and wanted to represent my community well. Um, another interesting note was that my godfather, Randy Oberding, was the head coach for the Whitehawks for most of those years I played, if not all. Um, so it was nice playing for him and um, you know helping him out. Last question before we hit into that podcast, Killing Double Play. But first things first, I, I do want to congratulate you on being inducted into the Loris College Hall of Fame. What an amazing honor. I appreciate you sitting down and having this 20 or so minute conversation with us. But looking back at your time playing in semi-pro, we know that they're known for their tournaments. If you had to pick one tournament that was your favorite to play in and then also tie in your favorite tournament memory, what would it be and why? Oh, favorite tournament to play in. Um, it was always nice playing in the Dyersville tournaments, uh, Farley and Cascade. I always really liked Cascade's field for some reason. Just felt at home there. 
Um, but uh, probably those three were my favorite to play in. Um, favorite tournament memory would probably be winning the Dyersville tournament in, in 2006 is when we won it. We beat Rickersville three to two. Uh, Jeff Notterman threw for us and we ended up winning that game. It was the uh, first time Dyersville had won the tournament in Dyersville in like nine years. So we kind of got the monkey off our back there. I think I went two for four that game with an RBI, I believe. Uh, we ended up winning it, I think, a year or two later against Cascade. My cousin, Phil Kepler, who played in Iowa, was playing for us. Um, and probably that first 2006 season, when, uh, that was my first full summer playing that we won the tournament in nine years, which was nice. Nick, thanks again for joining me on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast, 643. We're out of here. Thank you for listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Don't forget to stop by Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, and also subscribe on Spotify.